0: Good afternoon, guys. Welcome back to another STEM podcast. Today, we have a very special uh, guest, Mrs. Kerr. Uh, we'll be talking about, about stats and modelling. Uh, can you tell us a bit about stats and modelling used in coronaviruses? It's very re- uh, relevant right now.
1: Thank you, Daniel. So, with the coronavirus um, outbreak, um, they needed to call on statisticians and modellers to kind of plan and see what was going to happen with this epidemic. So, epidemiologists were are the ones that, that did that. Mm-hmm. Um, epidemiology is the study of how often diseases occur in different groups of people and why. And it, the information that they get is used to plan and evaluate strategies to prevent illnesses um, and kind of a guide to manage patients and, and moving forward how they're going to um, deal with the, the disease. So when the, the COVID... All kicked off. Um, there were teams of, of epidemiologists working all around the world um, to try and understand how it was going to spread, how fast it was going to spread, what we could do to try and stop it, and the intervention and um, what that effect would have on it. Um, initially, they had to gather the information from China, which provided it was a bit of a difficult because you had to get the information from China. They weren't sure um, how valid it was or how reliable it was, and it was coming in real time. Um, So that was how they started, and they started with a small amount of data which meant they could make a very uh, very simple model, which is basically some maths written down, and as they got more data, more information, they could make more complex models, and how modelling works is you can start with a simple model that looks at the effect on a population, and then the more complex models breaks that population down into different compartments, and the more compartments you have, the more complex the model, but probably the more um, useful and more accurate the the predictions are going to be. Ultimately, you want a model that can um, take individual members of the population and determine what's going to happen in the future for them. So that's kind of how the modelling um, for epidemiology kind of works. Um, There's all sorts of factors to consider in terms of where you get your data from, how accurate your model is, and also um, how um, what's the word I'm thinking of how much confidence you have in your model, so if they're going to assess how good their model is they often go back and look at um, did my model hold true for the period between May and October 2020 Um, if it did then it's probably quite likely that it's going to be um accurate moving forward mm. okay. and the, these are the kind of things that you do at A level maths in terms of your modelling so yeah.
0: um, quite relevant Seems interesting um, well before before the coronavirus pandemic nobody really knew like um, well not many people knew how modelling and statistics really properly worked because um, usually people usually use modelling to like say uh, predict stocks or uh, predict a certain uh, thing, uh, can you tell us like uh, what kind of modeling they use to predict um, outcomes or graphs or something like uh, what kind of things do you so like mo-
1: modeling anything it, one that everybody 's probably used is the modeling for um, it, online shopping okay what the um, uh, the demand's going to be and in what part of the country and what type mm-hmm. of demographic of people and that then informs them how do you stock? Where do you keep? Where do you keep all your pineapples? Where do you keep all your, um, you know, your hummus? Okay, yeah. are you going to need that in Harrogate, or are you going to need that all over there? So that modelling is in that kind of area. You could. It's used for climate, um, as well. Climate global warming, and um, predictive models. That's that scale, and as you said, stocks as well.
2: Yeah. So, how much is this maths done? like, by humans where they've just got a sheet of paper right now, how much of it is now being done by computers?
1: So that's where our modelling now is so much more accurate and it's, um, we can deal with so much more data because we've got computers at our fingertips. So maths modelling, maths is precise language, so we can formulate and specify and identify problems really precisely because of the language of maths. Um, and it's brevity, it's concise, there's all the rules that we use for maths. And then um, we've got all the rules and previous models that we've had before and now we've got computers that will, will churn out the numbers and, and help us to, to solve much more complex problems that we could do without our computers. So there's not many epidemiologists with a piece of paper and pencil. <laughs> <laughs>
3: so
2: with the computers now, how much, like what extent can we take the stats to and what extent should we take like our modelling to because like, you could model human behaviour and then it gets to a certain point when it's not like right anymore, to, like, where is that limit?
1: I don't think it comes at the end of the model, I think it comes with what you're putting into that model as to how accurate it is. Is, is the model, is the data that you've based your model on as accurate and as flawless as you can get it and by nature data is not going to ever be flawless. So it's about being able to um, evaluate and understand the assumptions you've made and the limitations to your model and not taking it as the gospel. With this current
4: reliance on computer models, say if the pandemic had happened 20 years prior, so in 2000, how then would the effect of the statistics that we used back then have affected the, the actual rise of coronavirus within the population?
1: That's a good question, isn't it? I think if we think back, we wouldn't have been able to get the data as quickly. I think that's that's the main thing we wouldn't be able to transfer as much data um, I'm not too sure on the whole size of the computer in that that would be a good one to speak to Mr Gill our computer science teacher about mm. um, but yeah we've come on huge leaps and bounds with just the technology if you think of just the technology we're using in our day to day life compared to before coronavirus um, it must have made a huge impact on what's on the way we've been able to deal with the to deal with the virus.
3: Yeah. You were talking about the data you put into the model. And there's been a lot of stuff about algorithms that social media companies use. And, you know, um, how accurate are they? Are they right? Should we let models decide so much of our lives, what we see? And, you know, hiring policies, should they be based on models to decide the best employees?
1: That's so a good question, isn't it? Yeah, there's a lot. and They, they take, like, um, the adverts that you see, don't they? And yeah. things like that. Now, it's a little bit out of my comfort zone is these algorithms and how they put them, put them together. But it is an interesting... Yeah. Or probably one for Sophia because where do we go with an algorithm deciding what adverts we, sh- we should see and, and what we should be doing with our lives? It's a very good question.
3: And they have a greater control, even now, over government policy. Yeah. So if we think about how much statistics have been used to decide, you know, the last year of how we're going to live, what's going to happen, and yet you know, there's the whole talk about herd immunity. Should we just let coronavirus play out and see what happens? And, you know, because. Maps is just logic, the logic is quite cold, mm. it's not the same as, you can't really put a human life into a model to its no. value. No, you
1: can't, you can't decide what the decisions they're going to make or what they feel like. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, I think that's why the modelling has to be fed to the government and they have to take that model and decide how it's going to work for the, the population, yeah. which is why we need to have faith in our government that they're going to make that right choice. Which might not necessarily be the case <laughs> um, which again it comes back to us voting for the for the people that we think is going to run our country because you can only do so much with data and information it's, it's as humans you're right we've got a duty to kind of look at that responsibly and apply it as you, yeah, with a bit of human empathy I think as well
2: yeah, like the diff- like when a human, for example, was hiring somebody, they would look at it and then they'd have an interview and then they'd get a feel for the way the person behaves and how that would like be integrated into the workplace. If you have a computer, they will look at grades, that kind of thing, and they will just get the person who is most suitable for the job, as far as the computer is aware. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't have that human side of it, which is the emotions and the work ethic.
1: Yeah.
4: So, How do you think the governments can use statistics to actually, I wouldn't say manipulate but for example to boost morale within a country that is suffering after a year and a half of coronavirus, how can they then use statistics to show, show us actually that it's getting better or the yeah. opposite?
2: I think you said something interesting this morning we were talking about which was like how they use percentages versus using actual mm. figures. So the graphs, if you look at them, instead of looking like a big sharp spike, it looks more of a flatter spike, like a a less steep, so it's less scary.
4: Noticed over the course of the pandemic, reading different news articles, is that different newspapers will use different like forms of statistics. Like one will show the percentage, whereas one will show the actual number, and therefore it's actually pretty hard to gauge which one is the correct one because being someone who has a very limited knowledge of statistics, it almost makes it more confusing, and I think that's something which the public has had to deal with, and people who aren't as good at statistics.
1: Um, yeah. Definitely. And then before. Well, I think clearly. people use them to, for, to their advantage. If they want to make a shock headline, they'll report it in a different way than if they do want to encourage. Um, and that's... I don't know, is that a media responsibility of the media in the way they report things, because if you go to the Office of National Statistics, you, will, can, you can find statistics on anything in this country, and it will tell you kind of where the data came from, and it will give you the actual facts and, and that, yeah. so you can see it in, in the cold light of day, but then, yeah, the media, they take it and they twist it to how they want.
2: Because th- we can have all the data, that's fine, we have to put it in a way that the humans can understand it, yeah. and that is the part that you can manipulate. Definitely, So, say you got data about, I don't know, ice cream sales or something ridiculous. If you look at it one way, it might seem like it's decreasing over time and it's related to something that it's not necessarily related to, but you can twist it in a different way, in a different light, to have the same data but a different meaning.
1: Yeah, Yeah, definitely. Like
2: if you take a graph. You change, you, change you change the axis you make it look much steeper than it exactly. actually is yeah. yes.
1: um, so I think there has to be a, a kind of responsibility when you're reporting or when you're presenting statistics um, to make sure that it's not sensationalising what's what's going on but yeah it's been really confusing hasn't it with all the, you know, the data the death rates and the numbers and um, and the same with climate change as well, people can use the statistics to say climate change is happening, to say it, that it's not happening um, that's why I think as, as people in society, we need to understand and be able to critique the statistics that we've got out there. Um, plug again for A-level maths, that's why the, the, there's a big chunk of stats in there to help you do that. Yeah,
2: you said earlier before the thing how you think it's one of the most important things you can yeah. learn. How, so do you reckon that for the people listening to this who might not be at A-level, who might be in GCSE or below, below that, or above that, how can they learned basic statistics in a way which would help them so i think you, you don't
1: need to learn basic statistics all you, you've got you need to think about where the source is who's provided that statistic and where the the samples come from where's the data come from is it Use from common a, sense with it yeah if it's a, a big sample you know what, when you see um hair shampoo, shampoo adverts and it says this made 34 78 of people's hairs much better and then you look and they used like a sample size of 20 Okay, you know, that's, that's, that's not, we're not going to believe that. So if, if the sample size is big and if it's come from the right demographic, if they're saying um, all middle class people and they haven't tested just middle class people. So, it, you know, it's thinking about where has that data come from and then just looking at the numbers and seeing, because a graph can show you an increase of 1% as a super steep line if the scale on the side is, is been elongated. So it's a bit of common sense. And also, like you said, looking at different statistics to see, see what it says um, and compare them. But
3: you almost sound like a peer review process for statistics. Yeah. Because you can make statistics say what you want according to for data. Yeah. And data can be changed or yeah. reflect in a better light. Yeah. So perhaps when a media reports on it, they should be checked. Yeah. Checks and balances.
1: Yeah, I, I think so. I think the media's got a lot to blame for a lot of the hype and a lot of the bad, mad, bad information that's come out during this pandemic. And all the
5: fear-mongering that yes. kind of contributed to in this idea. Of, obviously, you know, the main thing for media outlets is to make money. Exactly. So yes. it's to sensationalise their headlines by throwing in these terrifying statistics like, oh, it's getting worse, or, it's getting better. It's, you know, this person said because of these statistics, we might have to stay in lockdown longer or... Um, I think maybe it is a responsibility of the government then to enforce laws that the media have to adhere to so that this kind of fear mongering doesn't happen because obviously every government wants to avoid panic within its population. So if we can introduce these laws, whether the media will actually adhere to them or not is a different question, but if we can create them, maybe we can avoid some of the issues that we did see, like Lucy was saying, in Mm -hmm. the pandemic.
1: Yeah, I, I agree, I think the scare was awful.
5: It's
2: like the difference between saying there have been a thousand new cases and be, saying there have been a thousand new cases today, but 10,000 new cases yesterday, so yes. it's a decrease. Exactly,
4: yeah. yeah. And it's also not just that, I'm, I know when I look at the headlines and see like there's been a thousand cases, a thousand, in my mind, seems like such a big number. And then when you compare it to a population, you're like... yeah, of like less mm-hmm. like 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 <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah,
1: exactly.
3: You know when uh, the Prime Minister and the Chief Medical Officer were giving their um, their like addresses to the news, and you saw all those graphs pop up, and you know when I was looking at them, I wasn't, entirely sure, I wasn't sure what they were saying, and a lot of people weren't really, you saw the bits of red and you worried, and you saw the <laughs> steep lines and you were like, is that good yeah. or bad? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How much do you think it's the responsibility of the people providing the statistics to explain them, to be willing to
1: so I suppose I wonder whether the Prime Minister and his Chief Medical Officer even knew what was on the screen, if I'm honest, because they will have been sent those statistics, I would imagine. Um, but, yeah, I, I think... Is it the duty of the people producing them, or is it the, is it the responsibility of us as citizens to, to make educate ourselves enough to be able to understand what they're giving us? Um, because if you allow someone to... Um, dumbed down I suppose what's going on you're giving them a sense of control possibly whereas if you've got no, the education if you've got the knowledge to critique it yourself I think you feel much more I, I know I felt much more in control when I was able to look at the numbers and I think okay, I don't need to panic as much because I understand what they're saying so I, I do think it's an element of education for, for society to understand these yeah. these things
2: and it doesn't even have to be the big things like be like, really small things like say you've got 20% on a test that is if you're comparing it to the past that might be a really bad grade but let's say that the average was 1% yeah. you're doing incredibly well it's, exactly. it, statistics can be very easily altered mm. in everyday life
5: However,
4: to show whatever you want do you think the, the term flatten the curve was for like the wider population
1: how do you think oh, yeah. people actually reacted to that how did you feel what did that mean to you, I suppose, is that question? When he, they said flatten the curve, did that mean anything? Well, I, I you like think? graphs. So. You like graphs, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Fiona, what did, that, did that mean anything to you when they said flatten the curve, or was it, did it just come?
6: I mean, I think it almost sounded as if they were going to be like, let's bring the cases down, whereas flatten the cur- curve in a lot of the senses is like, keep it high, but not like increasing. Mm-hmm. So I think for majority of the population, that would have meant work... To bring it down, whereas the government was, of course, like presenting it as in it's probably not possible for us to bring it down in like two weeks, so just try not to bring it up.
1: Mm. Do you think a lot of people would have misunderstood?
6: Yeah,
3: I think so. It was well, yeah. easy to misunderstand that flattening the curve does sound like you're decreasing the overall amount mm. of cases, not stopping them from accelerating and increasing yeah. and greater. Because you can have the exact same number,
2: but over a longer period of time. Yes, and then the curve has been flattened but the same number of people have died Yeah, the same number of lives have been ruined yeah. just, well, I, well,
1: I, I wondered if they should have report, well they reported the deaths didn't they there was some confusion over how many whether the deaths were um, Covid related or just naturally occurring that would have happened anyway so but then they started reporting their deaths 20 day, days after testing positive so it took them quite a while to kind of um <sighs> Sort that out.
6: I mean, you also had the thing with like other countries, for example, when like my family was looking at Germany versus England, they were reporting different statistics. So, England was testing people after death to test if they had COVID and reporting pretty much every single death, at least for a period of time, whether patients had COVID, whether or not that was the reason for death. Whereas Germany wasn't testing them after death and they only tested them if they suspected that they had COVID. So it was, like, disproportionately high for England at points in time, purely because of the way that they tested people, and then those statistics were, like, produced. So, like, you saw disparities across not only, like, newspaper reports and, like, media, but, like, governments and just what they tested. And then, of course, you can't compare across different countries, which is what people were doing. Yes, yeah,
1: when they say, well, our country's worse off, or this country's worse off. But, yeah, you're right, the statistics that were collected weren't comparable. So, yeah, that caused a lot of... Confusion
2: as well. The only way that you're really going to be able to get around that is everybody use the exact same system and use the exact same graphs, with yeah. the exact same axes, and the exact yeah. same colours. Or because all of that things make a difference to when you're interpreting the graph as a, just as a person.
3: Yes, you've got to have
1: that control, like that consistency. But that's not going to happen. No. no.
3: But then uh, if you look at the raw numbers, that seems to give people a better idea when comparing different countries. Because when they talk about the total number of cases they've had, total number of deaths, it's much easier than when, uh, when they put a graph and they mislead you a bit mm. with this or that sort of thing.
1: Yeah. Um, as was, but the thing with raw numbers is you've got if you've got a small country like Iceland, for example, compared to... And I think we forgot to think about pop, population density as well. Mm-hmm. You know, New Zealand had uh, it's hardly any cases now and they've been back to normal. But then everybody lives so far away apart from each other. And, and so it was all those to, to think about as well it was a really yeah lots of models lots of data coming out whose model was better i think when when everything kind of calms down we can look back and that but the epidemiologists will look back and see which model work and they'll keep the best models in case we need to use them again okay because we've had ebola haven't we and we've had um we had swine flu outbreaks it's it's highly likely that there's going to be another something in the future just because the sheer number of humans on this earth um
2: so how transferable are the models? Because this model is for COVID-19. Will they have made it so they can change?
1: I would imagine so. I'm not, not an expert on that, but I imagine that there's some standard epidemiological modules that you bring out when it is a certain type of virus or a certain type of, of something that's going on and then you refine it, you evaluate it, refine it um, as, as you go forward. So I would imagine so. There is for climate change um, and they look at kind of three main types of modelling for that.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. That's a good point. Um, we don't have much time longer, so we're, we're going to have to finish this off. But um, what, what, what can we take away from this podcast? Because obviously, yeah, you should uh, learn a bit of stats and modelling just so you understand things. But what else can you take away from this?
1: Well, from I, from what I've taken away from talking to you guys is that we do need to educate ourselves. And uh, the young people need to, to educate themselves to be... Um, critical thinkers and not just take the data that they're given at face value. They need to think very carefully and analyse it and and see whether they believe it.
5: Unfortunately, you know, most people like the media to think for them, so when they do read these terrifying statistics, they just take it as, oh, you know, it's getting so much worse, the situation's getting so much worse, and so I think one thing that really needs to be done is to encourage people to to educate themselves on this and um, to look into it to have you know um people on social media sites or or just in these media outlets saying well here's how you can further educate yourself or here's what it's actually saying or here are some better sources and sites to look at when it comes to to statistics because a lot of people you know i think we've become quite we like cultivated an environment where we just allow others to think for us. Lazy, perhaps, yeah, we're yeah. quite we're quite lazy when it comes to these things, you know. If we don't have to do the work we don't we yeah. don't because with the rise of technology, the internet, we can just quickly scan for information and then move on. So um it's trying to get out of that bad habit and you know whether society will actually take that and do that um is obviously up to the individuals within yeah. the given society but i think if more people do take that first step and the initiative to educate themselves on how to and just look question at why that, yes. yeah and just question why is it saying that um we can you know, those who don't want to do that, we can probably bring that on ring down because well, there'll be other people saying, well, actually, yeah. this is this is what it's really saying. You don't actually yeah. need to panic or you know go raid the store toilet paper. Exactly. Oh, yes. what about.
2: Or the opposite of going, no, actually, you should panic. Oh yeah, yeah, you mm-hmm. should. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you should. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's not fine. Worry. Yeah. Be scared. <laughs> <laughs> it's
4: all in the context of my reading 1984. <laughs>
0: So basically what we're saying is just, if you're at GCSE, just consider doing A-level maths or something.
1: That's about (laughs) it. Plug for A-level maths. (laughs) Miss Kirk can teach
0: you. Um, Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this, um, share it with your friends. We'll be doing more topics next episode, so stay tuned for that. Goodbye, Uh, thank you. Goodbye, thank you.